Courage to Coach with Coach Terry Hayes and Dr. Lee Balcom, supporting you as you make an impact in the world through coaching. Brought to you by Impact Coaching Academy. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Coach Terry Hayes. I am here with Dr. Lee Bacham. Hello, Lee. Hello, Terry. We are talking about, you know, on the Courage to Coach program. <laughs> I figured this was <laughs> this was pretty good. Uh, the Courage, Competence, and Confidence cycle. And courage being central, in my mind anyway, to coaching. Uh, I think that this is definitely something that is going to help everyone get a deeper understanding of coaching and courage. And Lee, I'm gonna let you lead us off. Yeah, so the problem is that everybody wants to feel confident before they step into something. And we see this all the time with students and, uh, and, and just even established coaches of having uh, this place where they want to feel competent before they try something. You know, mm -hmm. I, don't, I, I want some competence before I go coach. And there obviously is a place for having a skill set for that. The problem is they're waiting for this feeling of competence before they step into something. And that's what this whole cycle is about. How do you break that down? Because they're, they're leading with competence before they take the other two steps. So that was, you know, it's kind of our conversation is how do you, how do you do that? How do you get to that place of competence? And people think that if they feel competent, then they could go do courageous stuff and that's the wrong order. So that's where we want to kind of drill in today. Yeah. And I, I love exactly what you just said is it's the wrong order. We're actually miss, there's a misjudged expectation that confidence comes and once we have that, then we can go do the stuff. And, um, you know, I always, my example, because we do this with students and citizens and coaching all the time, is they want to do something different. They want to be different. They want to speak up to somebody that they care about and ask them out on a date or they want to whatever. And they want to have confidence, not only in themselves, but in an outcome. Like they want to have confidence that when they do the thing, they'll get a yes or that mm -hmm. it'll be perfect or it'll be great or whatever. So there's like double confidence they're looking for. There's the mm -hmm. confidence for themselves. I won't look like an idiot or sound dumb or whatever their head thing is. And then also confidence in an outcome. And I think that both of those can be crippling. We see people far too often who invest tens of thousands of dollars in trainings and workshops and Lord only knows what other private coaching considerations or training considerations and never launch their business. And it's because they're looking for confidence before they actually pull the trigger to do any of it. Yeah. And this is, so we we're talking about it in terms of coaching, but this is not just coaching this is life For sure I mean, anytime we try something and and this is and it's it's unfortunately not a one cycle deal you know i mean this keeps on no spinning. one and done here can i just not, can't handle it that way <laughs> not a one and done so um last night uh, we were talking before we started recording i i went to I, i've now returned to jujitsu and so last night was the first night 
kind of on the mat rolling. I've been going to classes and everything. And, and that was one of the, the things where I, I really start thinking about what is the beginner place? Because I'm still a beginner after mm-hmm. what, three, three years and <laughs> a break of this. I'm still very much a beginner. And having taken a COVID break, I'm feeling right back to that. And I was talking with a, a person who was there and we were talking about the fact that we'll go to class and they'll teach a move and you understand the move and then we'll learn a bunch of moves. And then when it gets time to be on the mat, we never try them out. And this is this exact cycle, right? So you learn Uh it. And so you go on the mat and you're trying to figure out how to use it and you're scared to use it. Uh That somebody's going to shut it down. Somebody's going to submit you. And so you don't do that, which means that you never become competent at it which means that you never feel confident about it. And so um, he and I were just kind of chatting. Like, I'm like, we were doing this really complicated move. And I said, do you know how often this is going to happen when I'm actually rolling? He said, how often? I said, zero times (laughs) because it's a really interesting move. And maybe, and and so then, so the the fun thing about this, and this is kind of where we'll, we'll pull this in. He and I were rolling. Mm-hmm. And so what does he do? He feeds me the opportunity to practice it, not under the easy piece of a class where you're just practicing it with no resistance, but he was working, you know, to keep me for doing it, but still giving me the opportunity to try it. Mm-hmm. And so, so we can highlight the, the cycle. So here I am, I'm seeing this move, his arms in the right place, his legs in the right place, his head's in the right place. And I was like, man, I don't feel... I don't feel confident about doing it, but I'm going to try anyway, which mm-hmm. is the definition. I mean, on a very small scale, <laughs> very small scale, the courage to try it. Mm-hmm. And if you take the courage to try it, then what you're building in is a new competence. And as your competence grows and, and so feeling competent, another word for that is confidence. Mm-hmm. So um, so he was giving me the uh, option of practicing this little cycle. You know, let's let's try it out. Yeah. And, you know, and so I there's all sorts of things, I think, in life that are so relatable to this cycle. And yet we completely forget them. Mm-hmm. Like when we watch little children who are trying to learn to walk. Right. Right. We see them stand and fall and stand and fall and stand and fall. And at no point does a parent or any adult pull the child aside and say, obviously, you're not going to be a walker. Yeah. Like you, you, you don't have I'm, that. You just don't have it. I'm sorry. Just go ahead and keep crawling. You're good. Like at nor, no nor point. Nor does the child. Nor does the child go, you know, I think I'm just going to go. I'm going to I'm, I'm good with crawling. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm good. Just, I don't need to walk. It's fine. I'm going to do that. I mean, there are some parents who think their kids are doing that (laughs) for sure because they just resist it. But no, I mean, nobody just goes, oh, well, you know, you did it a couple of times. You weren't really successful at it. So maybe you should just quit. It's it's a washout. Yeah. Yeah. Do we, we don't tell them that when they do their spelling words. We don't tell them that when they learn to tie their shoe. We don't tell them that when they learn to ride their bike. We don't. (laughs) Yeah, it's truth. Let's say most folks don't. (laughs) Incompetent parenting. (laughs) Yes. Incompetent parenting. But the same. Yeah. And the same thing, though, is true for us, right? If you remember when you very, very, very first got behind the wheel of a car, the hyper over consciousness 
mirrors, mirrors, foot position, seat belt, temperature gauge, gas gauge, the overproduction in your mind of the first time that you drive mm. the hyper and then later like literally six weeks later you're driving you're drinking you're changing the station uh -huh. you're having a conversation well, with four people <laughs> i mean that's false confidence <laughs> that is it is false confidence to a degree but it's how quickly it changes like it's how quickly it changes and and we forget that there was that awkward period before we found confidence mm -hmm. and and i said it i said my other real my other real test and i swear i think everybody who has ever cooked has done this you go to make something you're in the kitchen and you grab whatever it is, the box of whatever or the recipe of whatever. And even though you have read the recipe, even though you have made meals for yourself for a good probably 20 or 30 years, you go back and you check the back of the box like nine times during the course of making it. Or you go check the recipe card over and over and over. Like, what was that? How much was that? How long? What temperature again? Do I put this before? And it isn't until you've done that recipe a dozen times that you start to get playful. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm going to add more spice here. Or it says do this, but I'm not going to. I'm going to shortcut it and do that. Or as your confidence ramps up, you change and personalize it. Now it becomes your recipe. Now it becomes the thing you make. Yeah. Like, so this... This kind of reminds the Dunning Kruger effect, right? Is that mm -hmm. that thing where we start something off overly confident? <laughs> Correct. Oh, and, I've got this macaroni and cheese, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and that's the thing that I see a lot of times when people start something new, and um, and so the the less you know about something, the more confident you tend to be about it, according to the Dunning Kruger effect, and so. You, you and I have seen this with people coming into coaching that they're like, I've got this. I don't need training. Uh, you know, I'm ready to go. I know how to help people. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I've, I'm just doing this, this for before. the certification. I've just done this before. And then they step in a little bit and they go, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. And then they, it's like the reverse. They lose all confidence mm -hmm. and freeze. And, and so that's where the cycle, so the cycle doesn't start at competence. It doesn't start at confidence. It starts with courage. Mm -hmm. And courage doesn't mean incompetence, just to be clear. Correct. And courage doesn't even mean um, necessarily courage to take action. Sometimes it's courage to acknowledge you don't know something. It's, it's the courage to say, wow, I'm a little lost, or courage to say, wow, this head. feels... I'm, I'm totally in my head. This feels overwhelming. Mm -hmm. I thought I, I thought I knew what I was doing and maybe I don't <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like there's a, there's a courage to vulnerability. I mean, good Lord, Brene Brown makes millions of dollars off that. So <laughs> there's gotta be something to it. Yeah. Um, but there's real, I mean, there's a real piece here where courage is the start of everything. And certainly in coaching, once you are established, you're out there, you're working with people, I would say courage is, is just plays on through. So there's not an end to courage, right? You need to keep having courage. You don't just get it at the beginning and then learn the skill set and go, woohoo, I'm good. Yeah. It's like you have to have courage to go to the next level because the next level, exactly like you said, the next level you're a neophyte again. <laughs> you're whatever the next level is in whatever you're talking about. 
you're the beginner again. Yeah, so when in my uh, therapy training, I, I remember I'd gone to classes. You know, they, they don't just throw you in the first day and say, yep, go do therapy. Really? They don't, thank oh. goodness. <laughs> but um, they do make sure that you go do therapy you know, at some point. And so uh, otherwise you can't finish the training. And if for my particular training, it was years of doing the, the therapy that was supervised. And so I remember I'd been through a number of classes. I think it was about a year into the process where I'd been going to the theoretical and the practice sessions with other people, which see there is one of those pieces where you're doing it under controlled environments to begin to gain that. Yeah, safe practices. Safe practice. And so we had practiced all of the stuff in class. And then I remember the day because my supervisor, he um, was a mentor in my life. And I, so I've, I talked with him before and he said, your client is in the office. I'll walk you down. And, and I'm like, what? I'm sorry, <laughs> said, huh? Yeah. And so we walked down and he says, just go in and introduce yourself and get started. I went, wait, like just me doing therapy with him? And he said, yeah. And I remember I said to him, but I've never done that before. And he said, right. There's always got to be a first time. There always has to be. Yeah. And so he marched me on in and I came out and I'm like, okay, well, that was good. I mean, it went okay. I didn't kill anyone and, you know, we're all good. And he scheduled for another session. So I guess it wasn't all bad. And, and that was the process of not feeling like I had it all together, but I, you know, the courageous march in and do it. And, and so I wanted to just kind of notice the nuance because sometimes when I talk about the cycle with people, they're like, oh, so just whatever my big dream is, just go do it. I'm like, eh, I mean, mm-hmm. Nike has that one, but that's, there's more to it. And that is how can you build a set? So you're not just doing it, you're doing it, you know, at the level where you're ready to go. And, and that is a huge piece. So I will say that the work we do with our clients, as well as the work that I've seen with students over the last almost two decades, um, is if you have someone who is putting pressure on themselves to skip the safe practices and throw themselves into the deep end with the, I'm just supposed to go get it done, they wind up really disillusioned. And really frustrated because, of course, it doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there's this almost duality I see in addressing where do we find confidence, where do we find competence, and where does, do we apply courage? Courage starts with knowledge and then safe practices. Like, what are the safe practices that help you get to that place? But if you want to put a mindset into place that says, oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. I'm going to skip the safe practices because those are going to be awkward. <laughs> and then I'm going to dive right into the like intense stuff because because yeah. I might as well just do this. it for real. Yeah. You're you're really setting yourself up for trouble. So um, one of the things that, you know, for me personally, that I am, really impress upon students is you've got to be willing to do the safe practices. And in coaching, I think one special little nuance to this is you've got to be willing to be coachable, mm-hmm. right? There's a huge coachability piece in courage for coaches. You have to have the courage to do the safe practices and in the safe practices, you might be coached. You're not always going to be the coach. Mm-hmm. And that can really sabotage things if you don't have the courage to be coached. Yeah. 
Yeah. So one of the things that was true um, in, in therapy, and I think it's true for coaching too, is there's a, there's a group of people who are like, yeah, I'm not getting supervision. I, you know, I'm just going to, I'll go jump in and do this. And I don't want the supervision. I feel odd somebody looking over my work. And so there, there are two groups um, that are in trouble, I think, and one dangerously. So the other just sadly. So, so the sadly, so <laughs> right. They're mm -hmm. the ones who do that, pay the thousands and thousands of, of dollars in courses and take the courses and, and do all of that to get ready. And it's, you know, ready, aim, 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 never pull the trigger. Yeah. Ready some more. <laughs> yeah, ready and, some more. And so then you have those who are like, pull the trigger wherever right? It's not ready, aim, it's ready, fire, ready, fire, ready, fire. And they're the ones who don't want to have anybody looking over their shoulder because that makes them uh, nervous. And, and I remember I, ha I was uh, supervising some chaplain students and, and I, they had to bring in you know, conversations they had. And I had one student who said, yeah, I'm not doing that. That makes me anxious. I, I won't be myself. And I said, okay, so just to be clear about this, you're willing to inflict whatever you're going to say on somebody else, but you don't want to be held accountable for it or learn from it. Is that clear? And of course, the recordings did, you know, appear, uh, but it was, yeah. I could see the fight, you know, of, I, I don't feel comfortable with that. I just want to go be myself. And the fact is that competent coaching competent therapy competent chaplain competent whatever comes because somebody has helped you after you've become that kind of that courageous person to to do the competent so the first group i just talked about the sad you know ready aim 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 aim, aim they they haven't stepped into courage yes then you got the people who never stepped into competence but they just jumped straight to confidence <laughs> <laughs> right. No, you know, and it's, it's interesting. Um, I just did an, a session the other day in a, with an evaluation where the coach, absolutely lovely person. I mean, really was very evident. They cared about their client. Um, there was connection. There was, there's a real style to the coach. Unfortunately, every single thing in the session came from the coach so as the coach was was super over directive so we're going to talk about this today i want us to move to this i want us to go to here i want us to you know da, 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 da. and so the feedback for the session was is i really want to call out many positive things i see in you but i have to say you know the constructive criticism is this session wasn't coaching that is not comfortable that is not a comfortable bit of feedback it's not comfortable feedback to receive that, but the light bulb went on, right? The light bulb went, oh, like suddenly everything that had been processed mentally up to that person, up to that point for that coach, like I could feel the shift. Now, if they hadn't received that, how many more months or years would they have gone on selling coaching? and delivering consulting, right? Which is, which is essentially what it is. And would anyone have died? No, <laughs> probably not. But does it, you know, does it do well for the profession? No, it does not. Or the right? client. 
or the client ultimately, especially if what they are honestly wanting is personal growth. Because if telling someone what to do or pointing at things and going, go there worked, there would be one self-help book in the library <laughs> because we would all just read it and go, oh, okay, we'll go do that now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, this kind of goes back to that jujitsu thing, you know, there, I mean, I, there are some core moves that I understand at a depth because I've done them now for uh, three years and I can go to those but I'm not expanding anything, right? I'm not becoming a better practitioner. I'm just practicing the same moves over and over. And if I want to grow and expand, I've got to try something new. And that's so where, you know, you come in as a, as a basic level, right? At the, the first, we talk about this uh, when we watch people at the white belt level, the first thing they do is grab people and freeze, just like wrap themselves around <laughs> the person. And you know what? I mean, in so, some instances that works. Right. I mean, if I'm in a fight, grabbing hold of someone and freezing is at least keeping them from doing a whole lot of damage. So I'm not saying that's wrong. It's just stuck. Yeah. And so then as you become more comfortable and you start moving differently, you expand your capacity, you become more of a practitioner and less of a grabber. The same as, you know, this person is more of a coach and less of a consultant or teacher. Correct. As they allow as they kind of let it go. But, but here's the, the, what I hear in that is the same thing. That person was grabbing on to the client and holding them. Mm -hmm. And just controlling outcomes in a big way, which exactly. is that, which is the confidence in the outcome. I'm supposed to get them to a certain outcome. So I must direct them to that outcome. I yeah. Must. It's, yeah, it's really, it's interesting. You know, you use the phrase, nobody died, which is, uh, it sounds almost sarcastic, but I genuinely have discovered that we need to remind ourselves of that exact thing on a pretty regular basis. Mm -hmm. um, because when our mind really starts to run away, it turns to some pretty crazy stuff. And so when we get nervous about working with a client, we get nervous about trying new activities, new habits. Um, we get nervous about asking a direct question we think the worst, most awful stuff is going to happen. Oh my God, I'm going to offend them. I'm going to do harm. I'm going to, you know, et cetera. And so the fear almost becomes someone's going to die. I mean, it really goes to that like reactionary level and we have to keep, look, nobody's going to die. Like, you know. It, well, it, I, and, I, let's take it a step further than that. I, I think a lot of times, we go, you know, or something's going to happen. And if you say what's going to happen, well, I don't know, but something bad's going to happen. I mean, something we, bad. We don't yeah. even have the descriptor in there. Um, my wife, uh, Kathy, uh, who's a therapist, um, has a cognitive uh, technique where she has people talk about what's the worst that could happen. Not like the worst that could happen, like the world could end. But I mean, given this particular circumstance, really, what's the worst that could happen? Correct. What's the best that could happen? Mm -hmm. And what's the likely outcome? Yes. And, and that gives us some, I mean, if you're going to do the worst, you might as well also do the best. Yeah. And, once you've and, done then, those and two, then try and find the middle. What is really the, the most place. likely? What's most likely? Yeah. And, uh, and that often is a, it, to, to me, that's a tremendous way of stepping a bit into courage. Um, because courage has at its core, you don't know the outcome. Mm-hmm. 
And you can either go, oh my gosh, what could happen here? Or you could go, okay, well, what are the options? What are the possibilities? Let's step into that and let's give it a try. I think there's also a piece in that that I want to embolden people with. And that is, is that sometimes finding your words is part of the courage process. So even speaking to what you think is going to happen. What what you're really worried about is happening. Mm -hmm. There's courage in that, and it's required courage. It's necessary courage. It's important, like, for example, when a coach asks a client, what are you worried about in the circumstance, or what brings you fear in the circumstance, or what are your thoughts about worst-case scenario, best-case, is there's courage just to tell the truth, Mm -hmm. to just say, this is really what I'm thinking. This is really what I'm afraid of. And it's the same thing in class. When we have students in class and we say, okay, so, you know, this is the practice. Like, what are you thinking about it? And they're like, we're fine. Okay, good. (laughs) Everybody's good. (laughs) It's like, "Uh uh-huh. No. (laughs) You're like, no, you're not. Somebody out there, someone, and you you get a room of 20 some odd people, somebody out there is experiencing something, a head game of some kind that says fear. And so what is it? Be honest, be open about that piece. And I know that it isn't always um, prudent to be candidly open. Um, You know, the world is full of other human beings that are working their own stuff, but especially in coaching, in coaching, what we're modeling is learning where the right places are to open up. And I would hope to heck that inside the coaching class and inside a coaching relationship is one of them. <laughs> There's room for that. Yeah. yeah. So, so as we step into this, I've realized we, we didn't really talk about, so what is courage? And mm-hmm. so the interesting thing is we all kind of know, but then we forget again. You know, when, yeah. when it's time to be courageous, we forget. And uh, my, my favorite courage story was um, when my son was a Cub Scout, um, I was the co-pack leader and so you know had all these little boys who were running around and um when we would have them do an art project you know they're sitting around these desks and i walked up to one and they were talking about this accident that had happened and the firefighters who had worked on it and they were talking about how brave they were mm-hmm. i said what do you mean when you brave what is that you say courage what is that and they said that they weren't afraid and i said you know that's to me, if you do something and you're not afraid, you're just doing something. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to it. Courage, though, is when you're scared and you do it anyway. And I, I really think, I mean, I, for me, that's kind of the the fundamental piece of this whole thing. It's confidence is where you don't have that sense of fear. Courage that where it starts is having the fear and deciding to do it anyway, which uh, it kind of feels to me like what we basically said is let's go with courage. Let's lead that cycle with courage. And to leave this off, that courage is not because you have no fear, but because you decide to step. It's important enough to step forward anyway. And and that is so if you're following the calling of becoming a coach, if you're looking to consciously raise the quality of your impact in the world, it's worth it, I hope, <laughs> to take the to, to take the step in courage mm. to learn how to do it well and to be willing to do it poorly so that you can learn to do it well right Mm -hmm. it's the willingness to say i'm brave enough to to do the safe practices to put my fears on the table to speak my truth so that i can grow to that greater impact i think that that 
I think everything we've talked about is essential for how we work with clients, but I'll tell you, it is triple essential for entrepreneurs and coaches. <laughs> Which, by the way, is a fundamental piece of what we do at Impact Coaching Academy, where we have the classes to gain some of those skills. And then we also have components where you can practice those skills in a safe environment. Yes. So that you're ready to feel ready, ready to feel ready to go try it out in real life and in those places where it takes a little bit more courage. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and it's as a matter of fact, just today's assignment. I have to just confess today's assignment in class before I came to to uh, our our conversation together. I said, "All right, so here's what I would like you to do this week. I'd like you to just go out and start talking about this with meet up with a peer from class and just talk about it. Don't try and coach it." don't feel the pressure of doing a coaching session. I just want you to start getting comfortable talking about your values. <laughs> like, because even that is a step, right? That, and that's what we're talking about is making it comfortable enough, not removing the fear, but making it safe enough and comfortable enough to get to the next level, to get to the next level, to get to the next level, right? It's a path to confidence and competence. Awesome. Anything we want to close with today? If you're interested in finding your confidence and your competence and taking courageous action, come check us out. Impact Absolutely. Coach, yeah, impactcoaching.academy. Thanks, guys. Catch you next time. Thank you for joining us today. Courage to Coach is brought to you by Impact Coaching Academy. Experience ICA with our growing library of free materials, then chart your own specific training plan at impactcoaching.academy. There's more exciting conversation by coaches for coaches on the way with Coach Terry Hayes and Dr. Lee Balcom. Be sure to join us as we support you in your courageous effort to make an impact. I'm Vince Hayes, your humble announcer. Take care.